Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More. I'm back in the studio with Luke and Dr. Wiles, and we are talking about the wonderful story of the Samaritan woman. And it's a wonderful conversation. It's convicting. It's challenging. It's also uh, releasing for us to live life with God as forgiven people. So uh, join us. We hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More. We're back. They let me come back. We let Luke come back. And so we're all in the podcast studio. With it was Dr. never a question about Dr. Wiles. Yeah, Dr. Wiles, um, it was yeah. clearly coming back. So we have built this thing around him. Look gladly. at us. Look at us. And so we're all here today on this Monday morning. It is spring break in Arlington, Texas. Come on now. Spring so break. all of our... Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at Luke. Okay. And well, particularly in your household, Luke. Yeah. Because your wife is an educator. My wife is an educator. My daughter's in kindergarten. It's a different rhythm. So a week what, for us. what did you leave when you came here today? What was going on at the house? Snoozers? Uh, the girls woke up right before I left, so okay. I fed them breakfast, did the potty training ask, thing with our youngest. Can I ask what we feed um, little girls? Well, this breakfast? morning, uh, one of them had banana bread mm. and the other had dry apple cinnamon Cheerios, which was her choice. <laughs> uh, not a punishment. Not just a for punishment. Those listening. I, love, I love dry Cheerios. Do just you? In general. Oh, yeah. And dry Rice Krispies. <clears throat> Both. So... Yeah. yeah. Why? Not? I can't. Sorry. It's a. I just do this is only it. audio, but no, if it were just, video, I love, my I li- face. I like to mix. I had a little pause there. Regular Cheerios and Honey Nut Cheerios. Because the Honey Nut is just a little too much it for is you. A little yeah. sweet. Yeah. I uh-huh. can't do them all at once. Yeah. But yeah. I just love. Yeah. I love dry Cheerios. I so no milk. <sighs> no milk in your cereal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a little baffled by the choice to not mm. eat homemade banana bread, but you know what? Mm. Did you make it, Luke? I did. Make I bet it was delicious. Buttery. You're the bacon dude. Oh yes, for those at home. Luke's a bake a good baker. Yes, hey, what I hear. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not just uh, you know Duncan Hines mix the packet from scratch. A scratch baker. There was a time in my life I made about ten cakes by noon most days. Good you. Ten man. cakes by noon. That's our podcast coming out next fall. <laughs> Luke's recipes. I, like I was paid to do it. Oh. I like it. <laughs> well, we'll pay you to do the podcast. Yeah. So anyway, um, well, it is spring break, and I thought it would be fun for me to hear from y'all, and then we'll get into heavier things. But mm-hmm. for this moment, do you have a favorite spring break in your like childhood memory or college? Mm-hmm. Any spring break that stands out? I have two. Oh, really? I do. I thought about it. Well, I knew the question was coming, so I thought about it this morning. <laughs> So do we get to hear yours and while we're thinking oh, about sure. ours? Yeah, and they're mundane, but fun. When I was in eighth grade, I believe it was the year 2000, when I was in eighth grade, we went skiing with the Baptist youth group. You know, I grew up Methodist, so across the street, the Baptist youth group always went to Crested Butte. And I hopped in mm-hmm. and I went skiing for the first time, and that was spring break 2000. Mm-hmm. And then spring break 2005, I was a freshman in college, which doesn't feel like long enough between eighth grade and your freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. So there's some perspective, but it was. And I went to New Orleans on a mission trip with the BSM at SFA. And we did, it was right after Katrina. And so we did, um, we gutted houses and it was just. Where, where did y'all stay? Do you remember? Uh, no, I'd have to think about it. A church for sure. Mm-hmm. First Baptist? I, I don't know. I also, I don't know. one of my favorite spring breaks was it's been 18 Katrina years, Relief. Okay. But we stayed in the World Trade Center in New Orleans. They basically had, you know, it's an office building in mm-hmm. the French Quarter. Yes. And they had just gutted one of the floors and uh, the, yeah, they just had bunk beds and showers. See, and I need to think about where we stayed because I've been on those with, um, it was probably the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. do, they do a really good job. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just stay in like a warehouse. I mean, I've stayed in a, in a, sh- a sheep barn 
at a fairgrounds before with mm. with this college, the First Baptist College Ministry mm-hmm. in uh, Baton Rouge. But so I'd have to think about where we stayed. But First mm-hmm. Baptist was like the depot, you know, where you'd go to get all your right, yeah. your equipment. So we definitely went by there. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, that was memorable one for me. Was kind of leading the effort in those days. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I had not done a lot of that because I didn't grow up Baptist. Mm-hmm. We had done a different version of that, the Methodist. But that was really fun for me. Mm-hmm. Kind of opened my eyes to submission work mm-hmm. and ended up doing a lot of stuff like that in college. Baptist so. and disaster relief. Those yellow hats. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's honorable. So well, you those know, are, my, those my brother my used favorites. to live in New Orleans. He was uh, he went to seminary there. Yeah. And he was on staff um, at Vucare Baptist Church. It's the only Baptist church in the French Quarter. And it's on Dauphine Street. Uh-huh. And then uh, he started doing um, street with my brother's an evangelist, my brother Emerson. He's a <clears> true <throat> evangelist. True I evangelist. Mean, yes, the way sure. you described him. Mm-hmm. But um street witnessing during Mardi Gras. So I used to go join him every year at Mardi Gras. I did that for probably 10 years and do wow. street witnessing in the French Quarter during Mardi Gras. But that wasn't spring break. Um, but it's so, Mardi Gras. But it was Mardi I mean, Gras. <laughs> what a time. Yeah, I think we can. There's some parallels. version of spring break, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I know. When I talk about spring break, <laughs> yeah. I've always done church stuff. You yeah, know, same, I don't really yeah. have a, right. a, I didn't really have a wild yeah. season in that way. Well, for me, so. when I was growing up, uh, our high school we were a uh, our high school was a very sports oriented high school and i have two older brothers and we were we were really baseball players that was kind of our thing and every year spring break our baseball team took a trip to florida from birmingham and we stayed in fort pierce and we uh, which wasn't too far back in those days from where the dodgers used to go and so we could go see them and and then we would play Practice baseball, mm-hmm. get ready for the baseball season. We played in this little Florida, kind of a citrus league, they called mm-hmm. it. So we played practice mostly during the days, and then toward mm-hmm. the end of the week, we got to play a few games. And so fun. I just remember fun. as a kid growing up, going every year, just waiting for when I finally got to be a high school baseball player. And uh, yeah. so I made the varsity as a freshman. All right. Got to go on the trip. All right, D-Dub. And uh, went, great time. And then our coach left. Mm-hmm. After that, and then our new coach decided that was a big waste of time, so I didn't get to ever do it again. So that ended up being my favorite one, the one I got to go on. So, a lot of fun. uh, My husband is going to Astros spring training here uh, next weekend. Really? It's in Florida. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for a bachelor party. Mm -hmm. So, I'll stay home with the triplets. There you go. With that, let's talk about. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm happy for him to go. It's one of our very good friends. I want him to. I want him to. But okay, there is a ton. So I don't mean. It's very interesting to chat because I enjoy y'all and your lives and your and your stories. But Mm -hmm. we are here to talk about big story, Mm -hmm. and your story matters because it's tied up in the big story in John. So a wonderful story. From what I hear, Pastor. I mean, I enjoyed it, but other people also a quote unquote great sermon you preached Mm -hmm. yesterday. Well, it's a great so, text. It's a great story. It right? is. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think there's much to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure those that are listening have questions of their own. So I hope we point it in a direction that can be exciting for them to mm-hmm. think through and listen. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think one of the most significant issues in this text or that's brought up is this this Samaritan culture, mm-hmm. the idea of Samaria. Mm-hmm. And throughout the Bible, we we hear about the Samaritans. I think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And now we call things Good Samaritan, but back mm-hmm. then it was no such it was thing. a story for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was wild to think about a Samaritan being good. Mm-hmm. But you have this woman mm-hmm. who's 
a Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. which makes the story wild in itself, mm-hmm. not to mention she's a woman. And so you talked to, you talked about it yesterday, but I, y'all mm-hmm. can nerd out on this topic, and I'm going to let you. <laughs> and so when we talk about Samaria mm-hmm. as a region and as a mm-hmm. people, why would it be so uh, opposed, so vehement in, mm-hmm. in this story? Mm-hmm. What, what, Luke, I know you have some thoughts have on thoughts. it. Yeah, yeah, but we'll let the pastor... Yeah. Kick it off. Well, I mean, if, if you go back to um, Solomon's death, mm. and you've got this view, even then, that Solomon ruled from the south, from Jerusalem, mm-hmm. as, as did his father. And so, you know, I don't know that we know everything in detail, but but it appears that Solomon embarked on this incredible building campaign, obviously, the palace, the temple. And um, and there were those in the north who felt like they had been taxed maybe a little bit more, maybe ignored a little bit because the southern part of Israel was viewed as as kind of the city of David, and it was it was somewhat glorified in the minds of the people. Mm. And when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam um, was let's just say not the character of his dad. I guess that'd be a, a polite way to put it. Yes, diplomatic. Yeah. Luke is evaluating that yeah. statement. And so. Uh, Jeroboam, representing the tribes to the north, 10 of them, I guess you could say. You know, Levi was kind of all mixed into everybody, but we always refer to it as the 10 tribes Mm -hmm. who live north Mm -hmm. of of Judea, which is the southern part of Israel. He tries to represent their pleas, you know, can you at least hear what we have to say? And the story's in the scripture. I'm I'm paraphrasing him, but Rehoboam basically said to Jeroboam, if you think my father was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Mm -hmm. That that would be my paraphrase. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it turned out. And so you end up with this split where you have a kingdom in the north and the kingdom in the south. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing you know, they both have kings, prophets, stories, prophecies, a lot of jealousy, Mm. brokenness. And then eventually the judgment of God begins to fall and the northern kingdom falls to the Assyrians. uh, What, 721, I think it is? Yeah, around there. That's what I learned in seminary. Yeah. Um, So then the, the... the true Israel is in the south now, and then the uh, northern kingdom really disappears, polluted by uh, the marriage into paganism, and it, it, and, it, which was it, a standard Assyrian practice. Yeah. So, it, disa- so would, it disappears generationally. Is that my yeah, understanding? As people would correct. would uh, marry the, and the way Assyria would conquer people and to basically ensure their subordinance and compliance is they would separate. Couples that existed, they would force them to remarry Assyrians, so they would have Assyrian children. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't married, you married an Assyrian, and so that was the way they basically eradicated. So the, within a within one generation, mm-hmm. everybody was Assyrian, mm-hmm. at least somewhat. But and also language, and also I think this is where religion for us culturally it's so different. Mm-hmm. And so for them, though, you've destroyed the, like the the tribes are gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they've been intermingled, mm-hmm. they're not pure anymore, mm-hmm. which is huge. And from, I mean, from the southerner's perspective, you have violated basically everything that it meant to be Jewish. Right. <clears throat> you go in the land of the Canaan, you take it over, mm-hmm. and you you don't marry their child their their daughters. Yeah. You know you um, now if if you would if you would accept the call in Exodus. You go evangelistically There's somewhat. Some... You're to be a kingdom of priests. You're to be this holy mm-hmm. nation. But we know that didn't work out quite so well. 
And so you basically have violated in their minds everything that, that God expected of them. And so fast forward, what, 700 years right? by the time you get to Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, so much has happened by then. Religiously, the, 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 the folks in the north decided that uh, they would embrace a portion of the Scripture, just the Torah. So they, they didn't want to hear about all these uh, stories about David and his conquests. Because this is not why. a friendly north – this is not like North Dakota, South Dakota. Right. This is – Yeah, yeah. this is yeah north-south on steroids. Yeah. And then you have – I mean, think about it. The Samaritans build their own temple on Mount Gerizim. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a what a slap in the face to – you know, to the Southern Jews, they wouldn't call themselves Southern Jews. They just call themselves Jews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you know, from Judah. I mean, kind mm-hmm. of a slang, mm-hmm. which is this tribe of promise I and mean, the Lion of Judah. I mean, that you know, all of that's woven into this. And uh, so you've got polluted blood. You've got p- what they would consider polluted religious practices. You've got just a lot of animosity culturally, uh, and it went both ways. You know, the Samaritans didn't care for the Jews either. It wasn't like it was a one-way street. There's a two-way prejudice, Mm -hmm. deep-seated, deeply rooted. um, Hatred. Yeah. I mean, like uh, in The Chosen, I don't know if people are watching The Mm -hmm. Chosen, Mm -hmm. but there's one scene in The Chosen where Jesus is with um, James and John, and this group of Samaritan men kind of come through, and they look at them and say, oh, you Jewish brothers, Welcome. Here's our welcome. And all of a sudden, they pick up stones and start throwing at them. Mm. And James and John have a come apart, and they look at Jesus and say, you need to do something. Why don't you call down fire from heaven, you know, and mm. and burn these people up? And, well, that quick anger from James and John was not surprising because these are Samaritans. Who cares if Jesus right. burns them up, mm. you know? And so in The Chosen, you know, you get this lengthier conversation where Jesus just says, so what, what purpose would that accomplish? Mm. So you think you're better than them? You, you think you're more? You think you're more worthy of me than they are? Mm-hmm. Don't you understand? I came for everyone. It's pretty. You know, some people when they watch the chosen, they get freaked out because they say Jesus didn't say that. Um, but you know, first of all, you're watching a TV show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's some editorial license. Mm-hmm. And what I hear from Dallas Jenkins all the time is and that's the creator. He, yeah, or the foreigner. He's the creator of it. He has a team of. Biblical theologians he works with, mm-hmm. Jews, Jewish rabbi, a couple of um, Protestant and Catholic scholars. And here's the question he asks them when they write something. He says, does this sound like something Jesus would have said? Hmm. That's kind of what they deal with. Well, when when they have that encounter, that sounds to me like something Jesus would have said. So in other words, you, you think, sure, I came for the Jews, but you think that's all I came for. Mm-hmm. You, you, you think you're the only mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he kind of chides them and says, uh, you know, you guys have got so much thunder inside of you. We've got to address it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love that idea. But what the quick anger, though, to me reminds me of just how painful that, that relationship was between Jews and Samaritans. And so now you've got Jesus <clears throat> in Samaria sitting down at a well. Which obviously he could have gone around it. Of course. Most people did, right? Yes. So I understand it. Jews. Mm-hmm. Most Jews did. Right. Asking for a drink of water from, now, a historic, we could argue Jacob gave this land to Joseph. So, um, you know, this is historically connected to the Jewish story. My goodness, right. Jacob's well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, remember Jacob was renamed Israel, so we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're on good solid yeah, ground a, here. Oh, no name. Oh, uh, yeah. In, in so Jewish history, is it accidental that Jesus is that well? I mean, seriously, y'all. What, what you think? Anything's accidental? Well, I mean, and that's one thing that I think that a listener might. I mean, I might miss because we just don't have ties to land mm-hmm. as much mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. as as someone would have then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm I'm proud of my uh, fifth of an acre mm-hmm. in Arlington, Texas, mm-hmm. our lot, but it is <laughs> nothing like yeah. this kind of generation. I mean, right. it's, it's God's. Well, just land like for she them. looks at Jesus in the story and goes, "You, you do know." You know this Jacob's well? Mm-hmm. Are you greater you, than you Jacob? You think you're greater than Jacob? I mean, seriously, <laughs> who are you, you know? Yeah. And uh, I love that little tension there of, you know, the there, fact that there's Jesus standing in the names. I mean, he's in the namesakes plot, you know. This mm-hmm. is Jacob, Israel, the father of Israel, mm-hmm. you know, of all places. Like I said, yeah. n- none of this is accidental. If you're paying attention, first of all, thank you, John. Yeah. For telling pretty us good, this. Pretty good gospel, yeah. I'd say. Thank huh? you for, for putting the story <laughs> here. Um, but if you're paying attention and you're watching, you can't miss this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus is standing there with a condemned group of people. Well, that's the... And he's at yeah. the, one of the most famous places. It's one that thing they for Jesus to show up to the well. That yeah. makes more sense to me, sure. right? But then the setting, the people that he's interacting with yeah. is a kind of a... And yeah. with a person that even that group of people... Had condemned. That's right. Even the Samaritans. Mm, the you think about it, of the Jesus could have done right? this. This story could have been told very differently. Um, let me back up. This could have played out very differently. Yeah. Jesus could have just gone to that well with the disciples, right? And said, "Hey, y'all, this is Jacob's well. This and you know what? <clears throat> Here's what I want to tell you. I'm going to give you water to drink. This living water is going to well up inside of you." Someone greater than Jacob is standing here right now. I want you. I'm the fulfillment of everything Jacob yes. ever dreamed. I mean, Jesus could have done all of Almost that. Almost just his like disciples. a little tour, yeah. a little tour guide. Perfect. And, Point and it this would have out. Been, and we would be reading it today, going, himself. "What a great story!" He what has a... revealed himself to the disciples. Absolutely. But instead, <clears throat> this guy, Jesus, mm-hmm. this Jesus, reveals himself not to the disciples mm-hmm. as the Messiah, mm-hmm. but the first time in John we see it, it's to this unnamed Samaritan mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? It is. What do you What do you think? I'm just that... say, don't miss it. I mean, the Samaritan Jew crisis, but the whole thing with Jesus and women. You got mm, that thread. Let's talk about that. I mean, <laughs> tell you know, me more. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and again, the chosen. When you watch it, mm-hmm. Dallas Jenkins gets criticized because he has Mary Magdalene and a couple of ladies kind of traveling with all these people, and everybody's like, "Well, now, wait a minute, Jesus, Jesus would have never done that." Well. Go back and read the Gospels. Mm-hmm. He did. You have women, even women financing the ministry of Jesus, according to Luke. So we've got to, we just got to let the Bible say what it says. So so now you've got Jesus sitting down, a single rabbi. Yes. Okay, a single unmarried rabbi. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he's out in public, but in all, in all honesty, that might even have been worse, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But he's in public having a theological conversation and a pastoral conversation with a woman. So that's one boundary. Right. Okay. Then secondly, a Samaritan woman. So that is, that's... A heavy, heavy boundary. Huge boundary, I would say. Theologically, historically. It might have been better for him to talk to a Greek person. Yes. And yeah. even it'd been better for a... Gen- but it actually, you're right. It'd been better to be a Gentile woman than a Samaritan woman, mm-hmm. you know? And Bad then, for his reputation. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Bad for the brand. And not yes. only that. <laughs> it's a bad PR, it's a yeah, bad PR yeah, move. Like Luke said, not just a Samaritan woman. 
who comes from a group of people that the Jews have rejected, she is also even more isolated because she's even rejected by them. So she's like double, triple beyond where Mm -hmm. there would be any hope for her to have a conversation with the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus just crosses boundaries. And what I love about it is you, you, you got it juxtaposed. You got Jesus in John 2 in the temple. Then in John 3, you've got him with Nicodemus. And then John 4, mm-hmm. you've got him in Samaria with a woman mm-hmm. with a checkered past. You, you, mm-hmm. you can't get more um, opposite. Yeah, you have covered the whole you have. gamut. And I think what's happening here is, is John's painting a portrait. First of all, I think this all happened. Right. Hmm. So let me just say the that I actually believe this all happened. Story. And now John is weaving Not it just together. a good story he's writing. Right. It this is actually, happened. yeah. And so God's you've got story. this incredible story. Where Jesus basically, I believe the message is the same to Nicodemus. Nicodemus had to make peace with his past. Hmm. In Nicodemus's mind, his past qualified him to be it, to be right. qualified. And Jesus is basically saying, no, actually, no, you need to make peace with your past <laughs> because your past has led you to believe you're it. Yeah. This woman's past has led her to believe she could never be it. The gospel can be both very, very humbling yes. and very, very... Yeah. What would you say? What's the opposite of humbling? Liberating, elevating. Yeah, yeah. elevating. That's a good word. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that about Jesus, that he spoke into those settings almost the same message. I mean, at his core, different way of putting it. But uh, mm-hmm. just, uh, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful story. And to me, it shows the richness of the gospel. Yes. That it crosses every boundary. Pick, mm-hmm. pick a boundary. And it lets you see yourself as you truly are meant to be. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. Pick a boundary. And then, so you could write yourself into this story to me. I didn't even, I didn't pursue this Sunday morning. I could That's why we have this podcast. But I chose not to. You could put yourself in the story of being the condemning folks looking at this Mm -hmm. woman and Mm -hmm. deciding that there are some people in your world who aren't worthy to hear this gospel. For those who have ears to hear. Yeah. In other words, if you were going to be the only one to share it, we probably have all have people in our world that we are not that excited about sharing it with. There are boundaries we don't want to cross. Correct. And so we could have pursued it from that angle yeah. of, okay, so who is it that's outside your circle and you have drawn it so definitively? Because I would tell you, I've got a couple of those in my life, not individuals, but there are just certain categories of people mm-hmm. that um, that for me sometimes it can just it's be difficult. hard because of how I view them mm-hmm. and how I perceive their behavior to impact others. Mm-hmm. And so I know that I have a little bit of harshness with a with a couple of groups of people mm-hmm. that I have to watch because it's mm-hmm. very easy for me to go, oh, well, you know, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. they just got what they deserve. So and, when you're approaching this text, I can't, it can be That's right. right. So for me, that's what I dealt with as I was reading through the text mm-hmm. myself was more of that spirit in me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that needs to be addressed. But there was, as a pastor, though, I felt more drawn to my people and the people that I think that I'm preaching to mm-hmm. that needed to hear Where the message at. of you might be like this woman, hmm. you know, and um, and I'm not saying I don't have a past to be dealt with, but I'm just saying I'm in a different place no, in my you're, life. You're trying to shepherd your people. That's right. And if I were if if I were preaching to a, a group of uh, religious leaders, seminary students, if yeah. I'd done that, well, I would have chosen the other path. I would have said, y'all all know what this means for this woman. But let me talk to you about what it should mean for you and what you're going to have to learn to get over. So had I been preaching that sermon at a seminary, I would have gone that route um, and and tied Nicodemus to it, you know. But in my church, in the audience I feel like I have, 
I wanted to address this whole idea of making peace with your past, mm-hmm. because to me, I feel like that's the real pastoral connection here for our people. Well, I think know? it did land with them in that I way. I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. You know. One more question about the woman. Growing up, many of us were taught it was a prostitute. Yeah, I totally disagree with that. It's just a bad reading of the yeah, text. Yeah, I totally disagree with that. It's We don't have proof of that no. in the story, do we? I don't even know, to be honest, and I tried to say this Sunday morning, you, you, you can probably see her through two lenses either through the fact that she has had five husbands because she's just a a woman of questionable character. Mm -hmm. Or you could view her as someone who has just been victimized over and over and over again because men could do that. Right. That's a very – I mean, Jesus actually restricts divorce because a man could divorce a woman for anything. Right. Women did not have much agency uh, in this era. So you could go either route. And I, I don't mean this the way it sounds when I say it doesn't matter which one you choose. I mean, it would have mattered for this woman. So that's not what I mean. What I mean is the idea of making peace with your past. Pick one of those two and it's just as applicable. You know, if this woman has been victimized and she's at a point now, hasn't even married the guy she's with, maybe because she thinks she's just not worthy to be married again. Maybe mm-hmm. she thinks this is, you know, I really have no hope. I have nobody that's going to provide for me. Mm-hmm because that at least was required of the husband. So she's down so low in her own view of herself that she can't even muster up the strength to get married again so that she can actually be taken care of. So you could adopt that view. Or you could just say, well, she's a woman of questionable character, and mm-hmm. she's, she has sunk so low now to where she doesn't care anymore. She is not even going to marry the guy. Mm-hmm. Which you think about, even in our culture, you know, we would go, oh, my goodness, you've been married five times, now you're living with a guy. Yeah. Are you, are, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Could be either one of those. Mm -hmm. But regardless, she's about as low as you can get. Either story. I mean, either either story in that society. And and that's one of the reasons I just love this encounter with her. And and what's interesting is even though she is not deaf, I just have no belief at all that she's a prostitute. Because if she's a prostitute, why would she have been married so many times? Hmm. I mean, why would a prostitute mm-hmm. get married? Mm-hmm. And when the almost text denies just tell us the that. Yeah. Yeah. that kind of uh, ruins the <laughs> right. illusion, or what do you want to call it? You know, <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. I just don't think that's true. I think it's just we've people have probably had views about her, and that's just an easy category mm-hmm. to put her in. But no, this is not Rahab the harlot. Mm-hmm. That's not who this is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love the fact that that Jesus, when he's talking to her. Even though she is where she is, she still has inside of her a theology Hmm. that's just been woven into her DNA. She can't help it. She's a Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And so she carries the same prejudice. I mean, when Jesus starts talking to her, you know, and she's like, well, well, you know what? You you, all have to worship in Jerusalem. Well, guess what? We used to worship on this mountain until y'all burned our Mm -hmm. temple down, Mm -hmm. you know, and and you do know this Jacob's well. You know, this isn't John Doe's well. Mm -hmm. You do remember Jacob, right? You know, his well's in our land, you know, so this is, uh, you know, this is holy ground to us. Um, So there's at least, there's even theology inside of her that's connected to this old story. You know, when I was in Israel, I was asking one of our, we had a guide who took us to this place, um, and we were in the southern part of Israel. And we're having a conversation with just a couple of people, and I just asked them, I said, so you live here, you both live here. What's your hope mm. for peace mm. in the future? And one of the men looked at me, and he said, we don't think that way. I said, what do you mean? He said, this ground is filled with too much blood. 
So there's no hope for that. Mm. He said, I, I carry prejudices in me that I have to carry, mm. and I will carry them till I die. It's my job. <laughs> well, mm. when I think about this Samaritan woman, you almost deep. hear a little bit of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're a Jew. Um, no, we don't. We're, we're not coming to Jerusalem. And if you're waiting on us to come to Jerusalem, in fact, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. I'm at Jacob's well. Right. <laughs> and so I just hear some of that in her. Yeah. Um, and I love how Jesus tenderly addressed it. He did it theologically and pastorally. It's almost like he went straight to her and then he said, well, okay, I hear all that. Why don't you go get your husband? Almost as if, let me have a conversation with him. Well, then I feel like that's when she's like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Can't do it? Yeah. Don't it have just, it. Everything turns, doesn't it? It does. It's- it's fascinating, y'all. It's a good story. Mm-hmm, I it love it. Is. It is. Lots of layers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any layers that we haven't <clears throat> touched on before I get to the practical mm-hmm. application? No, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we have it. Yeah. You turned, in your sermon, you kind of turned your face toward, um, you wanted us, your church, mm-hmm. to think about how we can move beyond our past mm-hmm. and be reconciled with it. Mm-hmm. And you, you used many great illustrations. It was a very solid illustration day. Mm. Ruby Mirror, uh, you, talk, you talked about the um, outrunning your shadow. The guy was out trying to outrun mm-hmm. his shadow. That's mm-hmm. a powerful image, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I would like to, there's many places we can go. So if there's something particularly what you would like to address, Pastor, or go deeper with, or Luke, you too. But I think that the topic of forgiveness is a, mm-hmm. is a very, it's very important mm-hmm. in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we always understand all mm-hmm. aspects of it, it's very, but it's a very biblical I mean, it's the it's the narrative of the crucifixion, you know, mm-hmm. that we get forgiven. That's right. But I, I would like to talk about that for those listening. The idea of forgiving others for the sake of our own healing, mm-hmm. but also perhaps forgiving ourselves mm-hmm. so that we could be let go. Mm-hmm. And I even think the topic of forgiving God, mm-hmm. not that God errs, mm-hmm. but that we need to reconcile our own feelings mm-hmm. toward his kind of hand in our life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Pick a topic, any topic. There's a lot there. I liked what you said on Sunday about, you know, there may be people in your life who don't deserve forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But then leading that into forgiveness is us letting it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not that that person deserves it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but that you deserve mm-hmm. to forgive them and let that out of your life. Um, to move on from that. Um, I just think there was something really beautiful and deep about that. And I, for people who've, I think, been victimized, like mm-hmm. the one possible reading of this woman, mm-hmm. that forgiveness is essential. Um, not that you forget. Um, there's a theologian named Miroslav Wolf who says that memory is a shield from future harm. Mm-hmm. And I like to think of it that way, that mm-hmm. we carry the memory of that hurt mm-hmm. with us, not to, yeah. not to carry that weight around, but to protect us from being hurt again, like that library of mistakes. And I think that is a good word for a practical, for those listening. You think, do I have to return to that abusive relationship? Or, you know, does forgiveness mean walking back through that door? And it, for us as your pastors, Mm -hmm. I would say it does not. Absolutely not. As as one who runs the care ministry Mm -hmm. at our church. Mm -hmm. No, it does not. But you may need to forgive, to Mm -hmm. to release yourself Mm -hmm. from the burden Mm -hmm. that you're carrying, but you don't have to Mm -hmm. act like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Is that how you would say that, Luke? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, and I think that's a... I mean, it's just a challenging part of the forgiveness discussion, um, forgiving others, because there's a difference between forgiveness and toleration. Hmm. Yes. It's good. You know, you, you, you don't have to tolerate abusive behavior. 
you can forgive, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean you have to re-enter, you know, those kinds of situations. And there, there's so many, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so I've heard so many just stories and illustrations in, in my life when I think about these yeah. kinds of topics. For example, I didn't use this story Sunday morning, but it's somewhat of a famous story. Y'all have probably heard it, but, you know, Corey Ten Boom was victimized mm-hmm. in World War II, terribly so. And has an incredible story, but even as she came out of it, <clears throat> one of the challenges she had, obviously, was forgiving these tormentors, forgiving these Nazis uh, who who were guilty of egregious activity with relationship to her and her sister. And uh, she finally went to her pastor about it, and um, this saintly Lutheran pastor of hers, and he, um, she just told him, "I'm I'm just having a hard time letting it go. You know, I'm, I'm I know." I'm supposed to forgive, but I can't, like you just said, I'm not God. I can't forget it. Mm. And that memory is painful. So mm. he took her up into the bell tower and he mm. said, I want to show you something. So he takes her in this bell tower and he said, I want you to, it's one of those old ones where you grab the rope and pull the yeah, bell deal. and the clapper rings. And he said, I want you to pull that rope and as hard as you can. And so she did. And he said, keep pulling it, keep pulling, keep pulling. And then he said, now let go of the rope. And she let go of the rope. And he said, now just stand here with me. Well, her story is, you know, it kept it kept clanging, and then finally it slowed down, and then finally one day, you know, at some point mm-hmm. it quit. And he mm-hmm. looked at her and he said, just let go of the rope. The bell's going to ring for a while. Mm. Mm. But eventually, you know, it'll stop. So I didn't use that story. I could have used that one Sunday morning because I think that's a really good one. Again, um, while we had the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> some people need to let go of the rope. Mm-hmm. People that had abused her, some of them were already dead. So it's not like they were going to come apologize to her. No. That was not going to happen. So mm-hmm. she had yeah, to Yeah, so forgiving them, it, it's a, it is obviously not That's right. to release them from That's anything. That's right. It's you. They're dead. Yeah. It's hard. I, I really believe, though, the conversation for me begins with your personal encounter with God and being forgiven yourself of your own sin. Mm-hmm. I just think that is where it all begins because, to me, unforgiven people— who deal with the the bitterness and everything that grows out of that have a really hard time forgiving anybody else, mm-hmm. including themselves. So I actually believe that God is not just an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually believe God is God, mm. and he's to be encountered mm. in a personal relationship, and that he actually intervenes in our lives, that when we go to him and confess our sin, I'm not just at Times Square in New York, writing down my regrets and throwing them in a shredder, mm-hmm. the good riddance day I talked about Sunday morning. Right. I'm not, I'm saying, you know, some people have to do that. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that, but I don't need a shredder. I need mm-hmm. a personal, living, loving God who can forgive me and cleanse me and, and release me from the guilt and the shame and the burden that I carry. And so you have that. And That's you, where it starts. And you quoted First John, I think, mm-hmm. that... Um, if we confess our sin, mm-hmm. he's, he, G- mm-hmm. God, is mm-hmm. faithful and just to forgive our sin and right. cleanse us and from all iniquity. That's, right. or that's what mm-hmm. I memorized mm-hmm. as a kid. That's right. And I think that's that's really helpful because if if someone's listening and they think, well, I I need to forgive. I, God has forgiven me, but I still carry this mm-hmm. or I feel icky right. still sure. or, you know, the, the consequences mm-hmm. of my sin are following me around. Mm-hmm. That can all st- – those two can, can mm-hmm. exist together. Mm-hmm. The truth that we are forgiven people mm-hmm. and then this reality that we may need to – the, con- the consequences may follow us. Like you were saying, right. your mom forgave you, but it took a little while a to get you cleaned up. up. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. I think that's helpful for mm-hmm. our people mm-hmm. to. I think 
there's a ditch that we could say like, why isn't, why don't I feel better? Or mm-hmm. why, why am I not mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. and happy mm-hmm. immediately? Right. And I think that might, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't feel very human mm-hmm. in some ways. God can do that mm-hmm. and does sometimes, but. Yeah. Also God has a, let go of the rope, but it's still ringing. Yeah. Right. There's a journey that we're mm-hmm. on to heal and mm-hmm. be whole. And, and the cleansing process to me is a part of the dynamic of that relationship where you stay connected to him. Now, sometimes <clears throat> the consequences of our sin we live with, mm-hmm. okay? Mm. But the cleansing, purifying process has to do with how I'm going to relate to those consequences in the future mm-hmm. and how often I'm going to feel led myself to return to that same sin and create even more compounding mm-hmm. consequences. That's why I'm saying I don't believe that God's an idea. I believe God's a living being, and I'm in relationship with him, and I believe he gives me strength. He gives me tools. So, for example, I've used spiritual disciplines in the past to help me with some of those things. For Just for example, here's a practical one. Mm-hmm. If I have a hard time saying no to something, mm-hmm. if it's just something that I'm just, I realize, man, this is a real struggle, I have found fasting to be my answer mm-hmm. because what I've learned is if I can discipline myself to say no to food for a season and I, and I learn, you know what? God's given me the strength. God's drawn me close to himself. He's given me greater insight. That strengthens my no muscle, (laughs) you know, to where I can actually use that in other arenas, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the Lord has given me tools and disciplines, almost like, almost like a gym, you know, if, if, you know, if my, uh, if I need, you know, today's leg day, Mm -hmm. okay, well, there's a reason for that. I'm working on legs. So Mm -hmm. my legs will stay strong, keep my Mm -hmm. core strong. Okay. Well, those disciplines help me with that. And that's, to me, a part of the purification process that God uses in my life. It's not just that I magically wake up one morning and go, ooh, man, I have been cleansed of all mm-hmm. of that. No, I'm in a partnership with God. Mm-hmm. He's using my walk with him as that journey of, of cleansing. The forgiveness, I believe, is instant, y'all. I do believe that. I believe yes. when you ask God to forgive you and you're you're repentant and you confess. You're reconciled to God. Absolutely. Isn't that, absolutely. Isn't that a in wonderful that moment. truth yes, of the gospel? Praise God. Yeah. And that builds, to me, strength, brings refreshing in your soul. Mm-hmm. But then the journey of forgiving yourself, forgiving others, and even what you said to Katie, forgiving God, I believe, is, is sometimes a necessary thing mm-hmm. because we can easily blame God for so many things and carry that with us. Mm-hmm. It's not that God needs to be forgiven. It's that we need to go through the act of reconciling ourselves to God I think so. and His will. Mm-hmm. And so, which I think and is a journey to help. God of mm-hmm. whatever we're holding mm-hmm. Him down right. for. And so I look at this woman. She comes to the well with a physical burden, carrying these water buckets. And if you've ever been to the third world, you know, when we, when we go to Africa, we see women in the villages bringing these huge water uh, jugs, mm-hmm. usually on their head. That's how they yeah. carry them. Turns out water's pretty heavy. Uh huh. Yeah. And so you know. you've got to get there, and then you got to get it home. So she's bringing the physical burden of carrying whatever it is that, that she used, her pots or whatever. And then she's got to take those back. So she's going to have the physical burden of that. But she's not just bearing a physical burden, as y'all know. This woman is carrying all kind of burdens. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine her walking very slowly to the well every day, mm-hmm. carrying the burden of the water and the burden of her own soul. She meets Jesus and she runs, she runs Mm -hmm. back to the village and just starts publicly speaking and 
this woman mm -hmm. who knows how everybody views her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something has happened to this mm -hmm. woman. Something big. And the people hear it and believe it, and they all come. Mm -hmm. And I love how John ends this passage, and then they all say, well, he's just the Savior of the world. He's not just the Jewish Messiah. This is it. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. he's the Savior of the whole world. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what a That's a beautiful transformation of a burden-filled woman all of a sudden set free to be who she really could be. And I like to believe she became a woman of influence. I like mm -hmm. to believe she married the guy she was living with. And she found a path to health and that that whole area was transformed and um, and ultimately will would, would become a part of the proclamation of the gospel before it's over with. That's what I like to believe. And if God can do it for her, yeah, man. maybe he can do it I mean, for come us. On. Mm. How are you gonna, what sin are you going to commit? I mean, think about it. What sin are you going to commit or what series of sins are you going to commit that you actually believe puts you out of God's reach? Think about it. Yeah. Listener, think about yeah. it. Yeah, you just can't do you it. Can't you cannot outsend the grace of God? Now, some people say, "Well, Jesus talked about the unpardonable sin." Well, that was a theological conversation mm -hmm. about ultimately rejecting everything that God offers you, you through His Holy Spirit. Well, okay, you know you that's a final God. rejection mm -hmm. of God. But if you think that your personal sinfulness is going to somehow outpace the grace of God, then mm -hmm. come on, man. Come talk to us. Come on, seriously. <laughs> Come talk to me. Email For real. me. Yeah. Well, I don't. Uh, Luke, anything to add on top of that? It's a wonderful passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I. So again, I feel like we could easily talk about this passage for hours. Go into detail about the conversations we've had. I think if you were looking for additional resources about how you continue to live into this forgiven life and learn about spiritual disciplines, uh, there's a great book called Renovation of the Heart by mm. Dallas Willard. Mm which just provides kind of a practical, good theological framework for how you grow mm -hmm. in Christlikeness. He would say that spiritual disciplines are this exercise that allow you to act Christlike when the moment cult needs it. So this is the exercise that allows you to perform good. when the performance is needed. Mm -hmm. um, so a great, just practical guide. Renovation uh, of the heart. Mm -hmm. I would also plug Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the book. Mm -hmm. by Pete Scazzaro mm -hmm. because he has a chapter called mm -hmm. Looking Back in Order to Look Forward or mm -hmm. Move Forward. And it's just about dealing with your past and it's it's very helpful, Michael. Mm -hmm. so. And if you need more help letting yourself go, we, we have a counseling center. We are here. Mm -hmm. and with Christian counselors, yes. licensed professionals. Yes, which I think is the best duo. Right. They have the credentials, they've, they've studied up, but mm -hmm. they're also their faith informs what they do. Correct. And I think that's what I want for Praise our people. Praise God. So, and you can always email me, katie.hodges at fb, it's k-a-t-y dot hodges at fbca.org just for any questions and we can likely find you what you need or try real hard. Like it. Well, with that, I think this has been a productive and good conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank Likewise. you all for listening. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for participating mm -hmm. and we hope to see each of the listeners see, hear, mm -hmm. interact with each of the listeners next week. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Spr happy spring break. Happy spring break. <laughs>
for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. Have a good day. Yeah, work with that.